we're entering into our last week of um, Broken World, Good God series, and we've been talking about some, some big questions, some, some heavy stuff. When we talk about um, why is there pain and suffering, why do bad things happen to good people, why? these are big questions, and, and I just want to start by, by saying that I know, I know that oftentimes I, we, we speak up here and we leave service, and maybe there are questions that you have that you feel like we didn't answer, or you feel like there are things that, that maybe you, you need a little bit more on. And, and I just want you to know, you know, I'm not going to be able to cover everything, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, if you have questions, if you have struggles, to, to not just let this be a sermon series, but to then go and, and share with others and to talk with others. One of the best ways that we see Jesus, which we're going to talk about today, one of the best ways that we heal and one of the best ways that, that, that we're supported is through each other, through a great church. And, and so I just, I, I want this conversation to continue on through the week. If you're struggling, find someone, talk to them. I said it a couple weeks ago, I said, if you, if you want to come talk to me about anything you hear, if you have some questions, come talk to me. And somebody took me up on that, and, and we had a wonderful hour of talking about God's goodness. And so I, I just want to invite you that you're always welcome to come and, and further these conversations. Uh, but today we're going we're gonna to finish up this Broken World Good God series. And, and I think today is, is really, really, I mean, not that each week isn't good news, but today is really good news. And I'm excited to share God's word with you today. And, and so we've been working through this series. We, we've talked about the fact that we live in a broken world. You don't have to look very far to see that this world is broken. There are a lot of things that happen. There are a lot, of, a lot of things that people do. There are a lot of things that, honestly, I can't explain. I don't know why we suffer from the things that we do other than I know the story. Um, I, I know the fact that sin and death entered the world um, when Adam and Eve chose to go their own way, so I understand that, but I don't understand why things happen, when they happen, to who they happen, but today is good news, and so we live in a broken world, and the truth is we, we can't control it. We have no control over, over what happens to us. We can control little things. We can control what we do, but ultimately, I have very little control over what happens outside, outside of my choices. I'll never forget, in South Carolina, we had a, a, a singing group that was going to come on a Sunday morning, and they, pulled their, they were pulling their bus into the church the night before, it was in the middle of the night, it was, it was pretty late, and, and the, the church had a, little, um, had a little dip there into the parking lot, and so their tour bus was having some trouble, and so they were out in the street trying to get the tour bus into the parking lot, and as they were directing it, somebody from the bar down the street had left and was driving drunk and drove right into this group, and, and several of them died. That was on a Saturday night before they were supposed to worship on Sunday morning. We have very little control over what happens to us. We, we can't control what other people are doing or, or what happens. It, it's pretty hard to control our health. We can't control it. We live in a broken world. We have very little control. And, and so we talked about, um, Dale shared in the first week of this series, that we have to have the right view of God, that it's important that we understand that God is not out there looking to get us, not looking to judge us. I, listen, judgment is a real thing, and Dale talked about that, that there will be judgment for our actions and for our belief. 
but I think sometimes we get the view that God is just sitting up in heaven waiting for us to mess up so that he can zap us, so that he can get us. That's not the right view of God. You're going to see that more today. That's not the right view. And so, so then, then the next week we talked about the fact that God is God and the world doesn't revolve around us, but the world revolves around God. And, and, but God chooses to invite us into life, into this relationship. And then last week we talked about this idea that, that if you're struggling, if you're hurting, the best thing you can do is to cry out to God to be real, to be authentic, that God doesn't want us to fake and pretend that we're good, but God wants us to be real and cry out. And so we've worked through all of that. There's a broken world, and, and we've talked about those responses, but I, I think it's easy for us to start viewing God as this, this cosmic being, this you know, up in the sky, cosmic being that's, and, and that's not wrong. God is a overall and above all and, and through all. God is God. We are not. But I think it's easy for us to start looking at God as, as something that's untouchable, somebody that, that's just too far removed from us. And so we start to have the question, and I know last week I was talking about men's prayer group and how somebody said, you know, I just feel like maybe I've, my prayers have been way down on God's list. It's too, kind of lost in the shuffle, lost in the stack. And so the question that, that we want to talk about today is, does God really care? Does God really care about what you're going through? Does God really care about the, the things that you're suffering with? Because God is God, and, and, and we've talked about that God is God, and we are just human, and, and, and we can cry out, and God invites us into relationship, but does, does God really care? Uh, I was thinking about a movie. I, I think we're a little bit skeptical about this, because in our culture... It's hard to understand people that are above us, people that are over us, that really care for us and love us. And so I was, as I was preparing for this, I thought about a movie. It's a pretty funny movie, Christmas Vacation. How many of you have seen Christmas Vacation? All right, and, and Clark Griswold is this, this guy. He's just a, a normal guy that's working, trying to support his family. And he works at this company, and he's got some good ideas. But we see throughout the movie that the higher-ups, the boss, the head of the company, really doesn't even know who Clark Griswold is. And honestly, doesn't really care. He calls him the wrong name in the hallway. He, he mixes things up. And, and a, a big part of this movie is built around Clark Griswold wanting to, to get his Christmas bonus and put in a pool for his family. He's promised his family that he's going to put in a pool with his Christmas bonus. And so he's all excited. And, and then there's this scene at the end that's pretty funny where his cousin Eddie kidnaps the head of the company because he's mad at him and brings him to the house because he wants answers for why Clark Griswold didn't get his Christmas bonus and they can't get the pool because what he got was the Jelly of the Month Club. Some of you, yeah, some of you are laughing because you get it and you've seen the movie. But I was thinking about that and this idea that this is true in our culture. Most companies that are, are, are doing well, the, the higher-ups, they really don't know anything about their employees. There are a lot of major corporations that make decisions for their companies 
without regard to the people that are working for them. We, we live in a world where athletes make millions and millions of dollars, and I'm not, I'm not going to get here and start you know, putting people down, but we live in a world where, where athletes are making millions and millions of dollars, and they're disconnected from us. A couple weeks ago, I was going to tell a story, and I didn't, but it, it was a story. When I was a kid, we went to Houston. Brian was there with us, Brian Crabtree. We went to Houston to see a Reds game against the Astros. My favorite player was Barry Larkin. I loved Barry Larkin, Cincinnati guy. And, and I remember afterwards, we stayed in the same hotel that the Reds did. And so after the game, we went to the hotel and we're standing in the lobby and we're just waiting for the Reds to come through. And all of a sudden, they come in and here comes Lou Pinella and here comes the players and, and Barry Larkin comes in and I'm just a little boy and I'm so excited. There's, there's my hero, it's Barry Larkin. And he walks by and I said, Barry, can I have your autograph? It was probably like, Barry, can I have your autograph? It wasn't... Not that my voice is that deep, but it's deeper than it was. <laughs> I said, can I have your autograph? And he turned and looked at me and he said, no, now, kid, I, I'll be back in a little bit. Just hang out. I'll be back in a couple hours. And I was like, okay, Barry Larkin, anything for you, Barry Larkin? And so I stayed there. And the group went on and ate pizza in the room, and I stayed there because I was going to get Barry Larkin, my hero's autograph. And you know what never happened? Barry Larkin never showed up. And, and listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean to him. I, I was just a little kid. He was a rich athlete. He, he, I wasn't even on his radar. We live in a world where we're separated from the people that are above us, that are over us. We live in a world where the higher-ups make decisions without even thinking about the lower people. We live in a world where, where athletes... Don't even notice the little people. We live in a world where politicians make laws for people that they don't even live by themselves. We live in this world where there's a clear difference between the head and the people. And so I think we kind of have this thing ingrained in us that we just can't understand a God, a cosmic God, a high-up God, a God that's over all and through all and in all, that really cares for us. So does God really care? We've been conditioned to think that, that maybe our problems, maybe we don't matter to God. But I want to look at, at Hebrews today, and we're going to look at three different passages in, in Hebrews chapter 2 and in Hebrews chapter 4. I want to look at these passages, and, and the first question that's asked in chapter 2 in this section is, is that question does God really care? And, and I want you to hear God's word today because I want to assure you that God cares very much for you. God is not a God that's sitting up waiting to zap you, waiting for you to get it wrong. I believe God is a God that's up. I believe that God is a God that's sitting there waiting to wrap his arms around you, waiting to give you hope and peace and life. And so I want you to know about the God that we serve today. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6. And this is a quotation. Um, this is a quotation from Psalm chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. This first part is. It says this: What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels, you crowned them with glory and honor, and put everything under their feet. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, remember this word, yet, 
At present time, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So this is the the first thing we're going to look at that tells us about who God is and who Jesus is. So let's just break that down. That first part is a quote from Psalm chapter 8. It says, who am I that God is, who are we, who who are humans that God, the almighty God, is mindful of us? So that's the question we just asked. Does God really care? The psalmist is saying, how in the world does the great God really care about us? And then in verse 7, it says, you made them a little bit lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And so we understand, like we said in the second week, that God is God. We are us. The world revolves around God, but God invites us into this story, into this relationship. And so verse 6 says, who are you that, that you are mind? I mean, who are we that God is mindful of us? And verse 7 says, God has has put everything under our feet. God has given us great love and responsibility. And so we're invited into this. And and so the psalmist is just in awe. Have you ever just been in awe to think like I was this morning? Like, God loves me. God loves you. And who am I? Who am I that God would love me? But then we see that word, yet. Yet. So far, it's good. Everything's good. God is God. We are us, but we're invited, and, and God loves us, and God gives us responsibility. And then, and then we see the word yet in verse 8. And it says, yet at present, we do not see everything subject to us. We don't see that, that we are in this position of favor. If I can, if I can tell you what this means, it's that God has given us great love and, and, and put things under us, but... But yet, it doesn't seem like that's the case. We've got no control. We, we're suffering. We're dealing with things. What, the, what the, the writer of Hebrews here is saying is, yeah, God loves us, but it sure doesn't seem like it right now. It sure doesn't seem like it all the time. And so we see that yet. And, and the truth is, that's where we're at sometimes. God, I know you love me. God, I know that, that, that you've invited me into this relationship. God, I know that, that I am your child, but I just don't feel it right now. I feel, like, I feel like a kid, and you're a baseball player, and you just walked right by me with no regard. I feel like a worker to a boss that that has bigger things on their mind. I feel like my prayer request is lost in the stack. I feel like I don't really matter. And so in, in verse 8, we see that problem. And, and we ask the question, is there really hope? We know that God is good. We know that God loves us. But, but we can get to the point where we can really question, God, do you really care about the things that I'm going through? Is there really hope for me? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Or am I going to be going through what I'm going through forever? Am I going to be on my own forever? And and so I want to stop there. And so far, we've got this dilemma of things aren't the way that we think they should be. This is where Job was. Job saying, God, I did everything right, but look, 
It's not working out well for me. I thought I was the favored son. I thought I, thought I was righteous, and look at where I'm at. And so, so maybe we feel sometimes like there's not hope. But then verse 9 comes in, and, and this is great. So God is God. We are us. God invites us into the relationship, yet... It doesn't always seem like we are favored, like God cares. And then verse 9, listen to this. We can't see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes. We can't see the hope. We can't see how it's going to work out. But verse 9 says this. But we do see Jesus. I just want to stop right there. Listen, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you've ever been at this place where you've questioned, does the good God that's over everything, does the good God really care about me? Is this situation ever going to end? Am I ever going to get to where I'm, I think I need to be? Am I ever going to experience the blessing of God? Verse 9 says, you may not be able to see how it's all going to work out. You may not be able to see the blessing, the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know what you can see? You can see Jesus. And so if you're feeling like the cosmic God doesn't care about you today, I want you to see Jesus. If you're feeling like there's no hope today, I want you to see Jesus. If you're feeling like that your troubles and your pain is never going to end, I want you to see Jesus. Because Jesus, in Christ, we have hope, we have life we have a light at the end of the tunnel. And so, so let's look at why that is. It says it in the scripture. So it says, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than angels for a little while. Remember, it said earlier, who are we that you are mindful of us? You made us a little lower than the angels. And now it says, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while now. So Jesus became like us. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus was human, just like you and I. Jesus talked to people just like we do. Jesus had mean things said to him, just like we do. Jesus had to work just like we do. Jesus had to eat just like we do. Jesus became human. And so the first thing we see is that Jesus, who is God, became man. And so let's just stop here. We live in a world that says the higher-ups don't need to worry about us. We live in a world where the boss doesn't always know our name and when we think we're getting the, the, the bonus in the, the pool, we get the Jelly of the Month Club because the boss doesn't really care and doesn't know us. I want you to hear the first thing about God right here. Jesus took on flesh and became one of us. You do not serve a God that's sitting up in some office, not worried about what's going on with you. You do not serve a God that doesn't have time for you. You do not serve a God that's too big for you. You serve a God that took on flesh and walked this earth the same way that you do. And guess what? Guess what? That struggled and felt pain the same way that you do. Our world has it one way, but God's kingdom is totally different and you serve a God that loves you so much that God would abandon the highest place, that beautiful office, whatever it is, and would come and be just like you and experience pain and suffering. That's what it says next. 
He was made lower than angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. Man, I'll tell you what, I know that there are some of you in here that have gone through some tough times. I know there are some of you in here that have dealt with with losing friends, losing loved ones. I know there are some of you in here that have dealt with, with sickness and, and disease and pain. I know there's some of you in here that, that feel like everything's turned against you. Man, Jesus came. God became man and suffered and died a criminal's death. I want you to understand here that, that nothing you have experienced is outside of what God, what in Christ God has experienced. Nothing you experience, nothing that's against you is bigger than what Jesus experienced and had against him. And so we don't serve a God that's sitting up there in the air conditioning watching us hurt. We serve a God that chooses to come and experience pain and suffering and death. But there's this little part here, and, and we're going to come back to this in, a, in just a second. Now crowned with glory and honor. So Jesus suffered. He came. He became man. He suffered. He, he was killed. He died on a cross. But now he is crowned with glory and honor. Let's just go ahead into it right now. It says, so that he might taste death by the grace of God, that he might taste death for everyone. Let's talk about this, because it's one thing that God loves us enough to, to care for us and to come and be one of us and to suffer and to die, but here's the other thing. It says he is now crowned with glory and honor. This is not just a statement that God loves you. This is another thing. This is a blueprint for how we can live through struggle. Because Jesus became one of us, he walked this earth, he suffered, he died, and guess what? He was crowned with glory and honor. And what this tells us is that if you're suffering, if you're going through pain, no matter how bad it is, if you are faithful to God, if you are faithful to love and serve God, if you walk believing in God every day, there is something more for you after this life. This is good news. I don't know if you're hurting today, but Jesus shows you that hurting is not the end. We'll talk more about this here in a minute. But by the grace of God, Jesus came because God does love you. And Jesus walked the same place we do, not the same exact location, but this earth, and walked through relationships and pain. Jesus suffered and died, but was crowned with glory and honor. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles, some of your troubles don't feel light and momentary, but it says, For your light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. No matter what you're suffering today, no matter how broken the world is around you and how much you're hurting, I want you to understand that if you are being faithful to God, if you are serving God, you're achieving something far greater eternally that far outweighs that pain and suffering. Let's, let's go on in verse 14. So Jesus knows what we've been to. Jesus became like us. Jesus suffered. Jesus died and paved the way for us. And then verse 14 says this. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that, listen to this, by his death 
he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who, those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Let me read that again. That by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Okay, so... God is God. We are here. We're invited in. We're a part of this thing. But sometimes it doesn't feel like things are right. But guess what? We may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we can see Jesus who became human, who suffered and died and was crowned with glory. And then this part, this is so great. By his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power over death. We're going to Oh, my word. I want you to understand today that, that no matter what you're going through, when we are in our most pain and suffering, our God has felt exactly as we feel. Our God has experienced it. If you think about darkness in your life, Jesus walked through darkness the same way. He died, but he was crowned with glory. He was raised from the dead and now is seated in heaven with the crown of glory and honor. And so, so then, then we talk about this scripture more, and, and I want to go back to this story of Job. I want us to look back at this story, because we see in this story that, that God is there, and Satan comes, and they have this little discussion, and, and I want us to look at this, this line that talks about breaking the power of, of the person who holds the power of death. So this is what's happening. God is there, and Satan comes in, and God says, have you seen my servant Job? He's faithful. He's righteous. He's such a good guy. And Satan says, yeah, but that's, that's because you've blessed him his whole life. That's because he's gotten nothing but good from you. And so Satan, thinking that Satan is super powerful, it's almost as if they're, they're playing a game of cards. And Satan thinks, yeah, but, but watch this. I'm going to play the fear and the death and the suffering card. And I'm going to cast Job into slavery to the fear of death. So I'm going to take things away from him, and you'll see God. There's no hope for him after that. And so we see, we see Satan go and, and start taking things away from Job. And, and it takes me back to verse 8 that says, we do not see everything subject. See, God has invited us in, but it doesn't seem like we are the favored sons and daughters of God. And so Satan's trying to to hold Job down. Satan's trying to get Job into slavery of fear of death and suffering. How many of you have ever been fear have been in slavery to, to fear? Anyone? Maybe it was fear that you were going to get sick. Maybe it was fear that somebody was going to leave you. Maybe it was fear that, that, that you wouldn't be loved, that you wouldn't fit in, that you wouldn't make it. But, but fear is a slavery that, that Satan uses to try to keep us from God. It's like Satan sitting there saying, wait till I play this card, God. 
He doesn't stand a chance that Alex, if I just just get him fearing, if I just get him caught up in this slavery to fear, he has no chance of serving you and of being faithful to you. And so Satan plays the the suffering, the fear card, and and God is sitting there. And, and And I think if we're seeing this card game, Satan plays the card and is feeling all good, and God says, yeah, but... But watch this. And then we see Jesus, who enters into that suffering and enters into that pain and becomes just like us. And then in verse 14, it says, He too shared in their humanity, but he ascended to heaven. And so it says there that he ascended into heaven. I actually think that's that's one of the earlier verses, but it says that, that Jesus became One of us suffered, died, but then he ascended. And so I want you to understand that Satan plays the card of, I'm just going to get him trapped in fear. I'm going to get him in slavery. And and God says, yeah, but I've got a card too, and that's Jesus. And Jesus comes, and Jesus lives, and Jesus suffers, and Jesus dies, and then Jesus is raised and crowned with glory. And so not only did Jesus enter into our condition and experience suffering, but Jesus overcame it. Jesus overcame the slavery and a fear of death. Jesus overcame death. Do you understand how huge this is? Man, today is all about Jesus because Jesus isn't just God that doesn't know what we're going through. God became man and suffered. God knows everything that we're going through. God has suffered. God has felt pain. But more than that, God overcame the pain and the suffering. Jesus overcame death. And so at Easter time, we, we say a lot, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Because the truth is, Satan can play the fear card. Satan can play the suffering card all he wants. But we have a God who plays the victory card. That Jesus came and he died. And death couldn't hold him. And what that means for us is if we're suffering, if we're in pain, if we're hurting, we can see Jesus who overcame the things that we're fearful of. We have a God that loves us enough to come and be one of us and experience it, but overcame it. So where, O death, is your victory? Where is your sting? In Christ, we can be free of the fear of death suffering, and pain. I'm just going to guess there are some people in here today that are struggling with fear, that are living in fear, fear that we can't control it, fear that we don't know what tomorrow holds, fear that things may not go the way we want them to. We can be free of that today because Christ has victory over sin and death. The truth is, Death is not the end. Loss is not the end. Grief is not the end. Suffering is not the end. The end for those who believe in Christ is eternal life and glory in God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today, you don't have to live in fear. You can live in hope. Even if you're going through the most difficult things, you can have hope. You can see Jesus because he has broken the chains of slavery 
a fear of death. You do not have to live in fear anymore. And so if there's any of you here today that are, are living in fear, I want to ask you to see Jesus today and to understand that God has already taken care of the things that you're dealing with and the things that you're dealing with cannot, cannot overcome you if you have Christ. And maybe there's some of you today that are here that things are okay and you're not there. I want you to understand that we can see Jesus and we can be prepared for anything that we have to face in a broken world because we have a good God that loves us and cares for us and has overcome sin and death. And so I want to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. This is how do we respond to this God. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How do we respond? Maybe we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but today we can see Jesus who came and suffered and died, rose from the dead, overcame death, paved the way for us, broke the chains of slavery, gives us life. So how do we respond? Two things. Number one, it says, therefore, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Listen, sometimes as Christians... I don't think we hold very firmly to the faith that we profess. I think sometimes the news scares us into thinking that our God is not God. I think sometimes the people around us and, and sickness and illness and disease makes us think that our God is not God. This says, hold firmly to the faith you profess, you can have confidence, you can live in confidence today that God is God and nothing can overcome God. The things that you face cannot overcome God. The evil in the broken world cannot overcome God. Sickness cannot overcome God. Death, death cannot overcome God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We as Christians should be the most hopeful people in all the world. We shouldn't be walking around saying, oh, the world's, it's going bad. What are we going to do? We don't have a chance. We should be living in hope and confidence that God is God. And we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear. Because we have a God that's overcome it all. Number one, we should hold firmly to the faith we profess. We can be confident in the biggest trials and pains of our lives. Because we have a Savior who knows what we've been through and has given us victory over it. Number two, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach the throne confidently. You know what we're here to do today? We're here to approach Jesus, to let Jesus be with us. We're here to worship we're here to experience the Jesus that came and died and overcame death. We're here to experience the God that's over all and through all and in all 
And because of Jesus' sacrifice and because of Jesus' victory, we can approach the throne confidently. We can call out to God because we know that God is there for us and that God has already won the victory for us. And so how do we respond? We hold firmly to the faith we profess and we approach the throne with confidence. The band's gonna come up and we're gonna sing in Christ alone. And I wanna call you to respond in a broken world full of pain, full of hurt, full of questions. I wanna call you to respond today by experiencing the good God that loves you, that cares for you, that knows what you're going through, has, has gone through the same things, but more than that, has overcome those things so that you don't have to be a slave to fear. I, I want us today to stand, stand with me, and I want us to sing this last song and worship to the Almighty God. I want us to sing this as if we are firmly living what we profess, the faith that we profess. And so as we sing this, let's just praise God together. If you're hurting today, if you're hurting, cry out confidently because you know that God loves you and that God is there for you. If you're in a good place today, this is a good opportunity to just praise the name of God who loves you and is with you every step of the way. And so let's sing together and let's praise the name of God. Father, we love you today and we want to shower you with praises now. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you for your grace and we want to give you everything now in Jesus' name. Amen.